Well, good morning, everyone. You all glad to be here today? Good, good. It's a great day. No rain outside? No, it's just good weather. Just the way we like it. Uh, my name is Daryl Davis. Uh, if you're not used to uh, seeing me up here speaking, this is the first time for me. Actually, it's the first time for me speaking and preaching in a long time. It's been about uh, maybe three years now. Uh, so it's exciting to see what God might do this morning. <laughs> I don't know, right? I don't know. Oh, man, it's great to be here. I, I love our worship band. Uh, as you know, I get the privilege and honor to be able to lead that worship band week after week. Man, I love those guys. Uh, just a great group of people who understand what it means to worship and honor God. It's not about a music style. It's not about um, about a level of a volume on an instrument, man, but it's about worship. And those guys really get it. Uh, recently, if you were around here for the big block party, you saw us out there having a great time just worshiping and honoring God uh, with some worship songs. But before that, you might have caught me with my dark sunglasses on, singing a little Eric Clapton. Sweet home, Chicago, a little blues. It's crazy to think about that because here we are, a multi-ethnic, multicultural, diverse church. And I got to tell you, I tried to give um, Stephen, where is Stephen? I tried to give Stephen this song by uh, for the block party. I thought, Stephen, you know, we're going to do some secular songs. How about if you do this song uh, by this group, Journey? You know, you know how, don't stop, believe. It's this big rock song. So I'm thinking, yeah, that's you. And I'll do like the Temptations. You know, one of those songs, you know, since I'm black and you're white, we'll go. <laughs> Stephen came to practice and started scratching like, Daryl, man, I don't, I don't think this is going to work, man. Um, uh, how about, you know, do you have any Lou Rawls or, or anything like that that you could put out? Cause I really don't want to do that. So we scratched that song and, and uh, at the block party and even down when we went down on the outreach down to the drop-in center, man, they were just amazed at the diversity that we showcased uh, from our worship band. And, and here Stephen is, man, he's like grooving and getting down to temptations. <laughs> And then they put me on Eric Clapton and James Taylor. Oh, man. You got to love the multi-ethnic church, right? You got to love the multi-ethnic church. But I did my best, James Taylor. And I do love James Taylor. Uh, But I love this worship band. Uh, I think that we ought to go out more in our community and, in fact, in our world. And as that song said a little bit ago, shout it out, man. Let them see what unity really looks like. Uh, you, just like me, we take a look at the uh, at the news, read the paper. Do they still do newspapers? We, still, we look at the news. You go on the Internet, Facebook, and we see division in our country. But, but, but what if, man, what if they got a chance, just this community alone, uh, to see what we get a chance to experience week after week after week? The church at its best. Uh, Michael Jackson said it best, no matter if you're black or white. Just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> hey, this morning I have a great video for you. Uh, this is one of my favorite videos. So in a second we're going to dim the lights and crank it up. And I want you to kind of just hold off to the end and really pay attention and listen to this video. So let's go ahead and do that now. Uh, just, this is one of my favorites. What do you want? 
Mrs. Edwards, I know I ask you this like every week, but would you like to ride to church with me? Oh, come on, Mrs. Edwards, you like my church. We have some hot music. It may not be what you're bumping at all, but it's hot. We get down. What do you say, Mrs. Edwards? Oh, I suppose. I've heard it said that 80% of first-time church visitors come because someone personally invited them. All people need to feel loved and wanted, and for some people, it just takes having someone offer to give them a ride to church. We have something great going on at this church. People's lives are being transformed by God's love. Your homework this week is to find at least one person who could use a little more of that love and invite them to come with you next week. Trust me, it's worth the extra effort. Mrs. Edwards, you want to listen to some music on the way? Go ahead, your choice. Okay, here we are. You gotta love Mrs. Edwards, right? Oh, what a great video. You gotta love that. Uh, no matter uh, where I get a chance to preach at, and it's been at churches with 2,000 people uh, down or 20 or 30, I love, pl- it doesn't really matter what the sermon is. That video just goes. I mean, you gotta, you, you gotta love that, especially us here as a multi-ethnic, uh, multicultural church. You gotta be able to laugh at, at the things that sometimes the world scoffs at. And I, and I love the diversity that we have here week after week, just to be able to come in and sit and gather among family, and friends. We don't always look look alike, or we, as we never look alike. Look around the room right now. Just take a look around and look at look at the mosaic of people gathered here in this space. Hey Amen. Isn't, isn't it good to know we don't have to wait to heaven to experience this? I mean, that right now, right here on planet Earth, we get to reflect the, what heaven will be like, what the kingdom of God is going to be like uh, right here on earth. Now, as I watch that video, I think about my cop days, because if you know me, you know, I, I worked at CPD, did my 16 years as a Cincinnati police officer. Now, as I watch that from a cop's perspective, I got to tell you, if someone had called about a loud music complaint, I wouldn't have pulled up thinking it, would, it was Miss Jenkins or whatever, Miss Edwards. I just wouldn't have. I would have been on the radio. Hey, we need to send some backup. <laughs> right. There's this dude. He's parked on the wrong side of the street. He's got these tinted windows. Looks like he's about 300 pounds. Send back up. I would have got out of my car just with a little bit of, hey, you know, until I found out it was sweet Mrs. Edwards. <laughs> now, now, where are my people of color at? Come on. Now, come on. Now, we, we often, guys, we, I'm talking just, to, we often get the, the, the opportunity to kind of sort of guilt, you know, the white people into thinking about their own little issues with the race. But every last one of you, along with me, if you were really honest with yourself, would have been thinking, what in the world is this dude doing? What is he doing? Right in our own neighborhoods. I mean, I would have been blaming it on my wife. I typically, whenever I see a person of color acting up or acting a fool somewhere, I'm like, uh, Bernie's, there go one of your cousins again. <laughs> it's never my, it's just one of your cousins being there. That's just how we do it. And now, now, now I got to pick on the, on, the, on my people, the unpigmented people among us. Now you guys, now I can just imagine, and, and, and my people of color will attest, if there had been a 911 call, <clears throat> officer, uh, I see a, a very large uh, black gentleman outside in front. I don't know if he's armed or not, but he's hanging out of the window. He's doing a little bit of this. I mean, some, that, if you keep it real, that's, uh, I would have been thinking the same thing, honestly. But we know that we have our differences. We know that we don't always see things 
uh, the same. And, and, and as, a, as a guy who's planted a multi-ethnic, multicultural church, um, we got a chance to stay around for about four and a half years before we folded. And uh, one of the beautiful things was being able to go around the country, as I did, uh, being able to consult with church leaders and pastors uh, constantly about what it means to be a multi-ethnic, multicultural church. And time after time, they would hit their heads around one thing, this whole idea of trying to understand. Well, I really don't feel like we really understand and, and other pe- our people of color. I don't think they really. But really, the real deal is not so much about understanding because really God called us to love one another and not necessarily understand one another. I'm not saying we don't seek to understand but I can tell you there are some things I probably will never understand. Uh, now, I've been married for a while now, uh, and, I, and, and my wife's right back there with the, with the fan and made out of the bulletin. <laughs> and what I've discovered is, is uh, after these years have gone by, I still don't understand, fully understand her. <laughs> it's just the way it is, right? Now, do I say, oh, man, I don't understand you, so I don't, I don't think we're going to be able to, to reside together at the same address. I mean, we just don't get one another. No, man, it's about love, right? And love goes beyond. It transcends understanding. So I'm going to challenge you and encourage you right here at this church. Man, don't lose uh, your hold and your grip on what it means to be a body of Christ uh, that, that gathers together and that celebrates uh, our diversity here at this church. Don't become uh, the church. I know it's easy when it get, a church gets this size where, where we're, we're a multi-ethnic church, but really there's the black church within the church and then there's the, the millennial group that sits on the left side. Don't don't become that church, man. Become the become the community that 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 sits together and, and loves together and worships together and does life together. Man, I've seen it happen, and and, and one of the thrills of my life uh, has been uh, the the uh, privilege of leading such a church. I mean, we we since our beginning uh, average mostly blacks and whites, uh, about fifty percent diversity uh, with a little over hundred people, and that was just phenomenal when you think about uh, what it looks like in our world. But yet, I think. Uh, that our world looks at the church sometimes and it wonders why we just can't get it together. I mean, we can get it together about other things. I mean, we're, I mean, but, but, you know, I, I drive through the community and I, I don't go to the black Krogers or the white Krogers or the, but, but we have this idea that it's, it's, ah, I'm going to this, this is the white church and then that's the black church and that's the Hispanic church. But what if the church really became the church that Jesus died for? What if we really, really became one? Man, I, I wonder what our community will look like. And I'm grateful that we're, we're doing that right here at College Hill Presbyterian Church. Give yourselves a hand real quick for that. Come on, give yourselves a hand. Uh, a guy I got a chance to meet and I read his books a couple of times. Uh, Mark Batterson, he says, too many people in too many churches look too much alike. Too many people in too many churches look too much alike. Now, I want you to know that this is not just about... Uh, what the company uh, does for the month around diversity, multicultural month, or any of that weird stuff. No, it's not about us uh, trying to become something that we're not. But if we live in a multicultural community, there's no reason why our church shouldn't reflect that diversity uh, week after week after week. And so I'm grateful uh, that I'm here at this church and that that's our reality, that we are who we are. Just the way it is, we just are who we are. I remember uh, looking at the ad about uh, uh, this church. I mean, and I must have looked over it for months and months at a time when I saw you guys are looking for a worship leader. And I really wasn't even looking for a worship leader role. And, and I couldn't get away from it. I went to other ads in that same uh, periodical that there was, you know, where you go and look if you want to find a role somewhere. Month after month, I just kept looking and I kept coming back to it. I didn't even know what a Presbyterian was. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I, I just didn't. I thought, man, I don't. 
<laughs> I, I don't know what, what's going to go on when we get there. If I go and visit, I mean, I'm not really sure. And then I looked at this video. I got to tell you, it's on YouTube. And, and yours truly, Dr. Drew here. I was like, Bernice, my wife's name. I'm like, Bernice, I think this dude is kind of crazy. I saw this video where there was this sort of African uh, church service going on. I'm thinking, do they do that regularly? I mean, people were on the stage kind of dancing and singing. It was a re- I was like, man, I don't know what it's going to be like when I get there. But, man, we came. And the amazing thing is we, we, we were met with people who, who lovingly embraced us and, and uh, told us how precious we were in the sight of God. And, and so I love this community of faith. It's just a natural thing. We don't have to work hard at it when it's the right thing, do we? See, in the marketplace, oftentimes, they have to work hard at it. Someone has to tell them, this is what you ought to do. But we know that if you really love God, then it's hard not to love one another. And that ought to play out in how we live our lives every day. Uh, Jesus one time prayed a prayer. One time he prayed a prayer. And, uh, and we're going to take a look at that in John 17 real quick. And, and if you are new to the Bible, if you're new here as a, as a visitor or a Christian, you have a Bible in your back, uh, back pew there. And I don't know what page it's on, but if if, uh, if you look at the Bible, it's divided up in the Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, the second half of the Bible is what we call the New Testament. And then it starts with the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then you'll see John. So let's take a look at John 17, 17, 20, uh, 20 to 23. And this is Jesus praying. I mean, this is Jesus himself, the very son of God. And he's praying and he's praying about the idea that if we really became one, there's a guy named Mark Diamas who says, man, that that passage talks about the fact that there's no guarantee that we will. But if we really became one, then the world would truly know that Jesus was sent from the father. So let's look at that and read it together. Jesus says this in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I'm sorry if it's not on your screen. I'm just going to read it to you so you can listen up. My prayer is not for them alone is what Jesus says. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. In other words, he's saying, Father, I don't just pray for those who call themselves Christ followers, but my prayer is for those who will come as a result of the message. And here's what he says. My prayer is that all of them may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. What kind of unity? Complete unity. Then the world will know. Then College Hill will know. Then North College Hill will know. Then Mount Healthy and Northside will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you love me. What a powerful passage. And so when we go out as this church and we get to serve and whiz kids and, and we reflect that love and that unity. Then someone says, man, that's not what I see when I look at the news and I, I tune in to CNN or Fox or MSNB. That's not what I'm hearing about. That's not really what I'm seeing. But there's something about that group of people that just really naturally and genuinely enjoys being around one of each other's company. What a powerful opportunity it is for us to continue to show God's love in a powerful way. Uh, and in many ways, I really believe that the, the fate of our community rests on the weight of us uh, who call ourselves Christ followers. And we, the church, have a powerful mission in front of us. If we'll just simply step up and take our place in the community. I look, as I drive up and sat down Northside, I'm a realtor and, and uh, get the opportunity just to show people homes all over this community. And such a hot spot right now in terms of people wanting to buy and sell and live in this community. Uh, but as I drive up and down the strip here from Northside to Mount Healthy, I, I, I'm always aware that there's this church that sits right on the corner here. 
that's positioned to be such a beacon of light and hope for such a time as this. They call it redevelopment right now, but I think it's a time for the church to re-engineer itself and to be all that it can be in a lost and dying world, to shine light in a dark world and show the world the right way to go. And I think oftentimes we do it by the way we live with one another. Uh, there's a passage of scripture that I love, uh, and I'm going to set it up for you. Here Jesus is. He's doing stuff that Jesus always did. He's gathering a crowd of people together. Uh, they, some of them are coming because of the miracles. Uh, others are coming because they, they think he's this troublemaking rebel rouse, and they want to see what he's all about. Uh, and then still others came because they genuinely needed uh, just a touch. And so here Jesus is with this whole crowd of people. And then he does uh, what I think is, is kind of strange in that he pulls away uh, from the crowd. Uh, let's take a look at that together. Uh, Matthew 5, uh, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read it out loud to you. It says, when Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, what kind of crowds were they? When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Oh, man, I tell you. Now, as a church planner, I, I remember praying deeply that we would just break the 100 barrier. And then, boy, I dreamed of a day when we would get to 200 and 300 people. Because then it would be a lot easier. But when Jesus draw huge crowds, the Bible says that he pulled away and he climbed a hillside. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. And those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. The committed climbed with him. The committed climbed with him. Now, I'm not against the crowd, and, and I love the crowd, but there's something to be said about those who are truly committed to God and to the things of God. See, I know when it comes to being the multi-ethnic, multicultural, diverse church, that there's a climb involved. It's easy just to come in and sit down and just sing a few happy songs together. Yeah, it's okay. It's easy for, you know, me to sit here and you to sit there and, ah, oh, see you later, have a great week. But if we really want to go where Jesus really wants us to go, there's a climb involved. See, in between the crowd who just kind of wants to linger and the committed, it's always a climb. If you want to go further, climb higher and draw closer, it's always a climb involved. Uh, let's read a little bit further here. It says, when Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, they climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place. Somebody say a quiet place. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about uh, Drew taking his sabbatical because I think he's going to get a draw away to a quiet place. There are some things that I think God wants to say that we can only hear when we draw into a quiet place. I know, man, there was a time as the church planner uh, of a new church start, man, I was busy doing a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, I, I remember so excited about what I thought God was going to do. I went out and hired uh, my, my first white guy, staff-wise. And just tell I thought, see, you know, if, if you're really going to do it right, you need to have, I can't be the only one. So I remember I, I was so full of zeal and being busy about doing God's stuff. I thought the key is to find the right white guy. I mean, is that, is it okay to be real with you? So I hired this guy and uh, it turned out he was the wrong guy. <laughs> see, busyness and, and jumping around and trying to make things happen doesn't equate with effectiveness. It took me a while uh, before I finally let him go. But then all of a sudden, I, I came across the right person. And then that's how I met Phil, wherever Phil is, on guitar. And, and Ken became a part of the team. And then we became this church that reflected the very community that we wanted to reach out to. But it didn't come without a climb. 
It took me getting away to a quiet place and realizing that it wasn't about me, but it was about his kingdom. When he saw his ministry drawing crowds, he climbed the hillside, committed climb with him, and he arrived at a quiet place. Then it goes on to say what he taught. And you guys know it if you read the Bible as the Beatitudes. He talked about all that we need to be and see. But then he got down to, to the crux of what I want to share to you today in verse 13. It says, Jesus said this, let me tell you why you're here. He's talking to the committee. He's talking to those who say, man, I'm all in with this thing. And perhaps you're here today and you're, you're just kind of hanging out, checking out the church. And I'm telling you that that's cool. If you want to come in and just kind of sit down and be here for a few months and just, you know, I'm not really too sure about this Drew guy and that Daryl kind of acts kind of strange sometimes on a Sunday morning when he's singing those songs. That's okay just to chill. But, but Jesus is saying to the committed, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors in the earth. In other words, the earth will never be what it's be, what it's supposed to be, unless you sprinkle godliness. Now, salt is designed to be poured on something else. And the thing that salt is poured on is really the whole, really brings out the very purpose of salt. Uh, now I want you to imagine with me, if you would, uh, imagine, uh, uh, I made a reservation at, uh, uh, either Buena Braza, that steakhouse downtown, or Ruth Chris. I really like the Ruth Chris example better. So imagine with me that I made this reservation at Ruth Chris restaurant. And, uh, and I go in, I'm looking at the menu, and all of a sudden I'm realizing, like, whoa, first of all, this stuff's expensive, but hey, it's all good. I'm going to have a good meal. And, and as I said, first service, if it's on my dime, I'm going to be asking for the kids' menu. But, <laughs> but let's imagine, if you will, that, that Drew or Mike, that, that they're paying. In that case, I'm like, hey, yeah, baby, show me the menu. So imagine, imagine I'm sitting down there, and the waitress walks up and says, hey, uh, welcome to Ruth Chris, sir. Uh, may I help you? And what would you like? And I, imagine me looking up and down the menu. I'm like, wow. Okay, so Drew's paying for this. Maybe I should go for the cowboy steak. You know, the, the one they call the porterhouse. The, maybe I should go for that and then get a few sides. But then all of a sudden I look at the waitress and I close my menu. I tell you what, ma'am, I'm, I'll, I'll take the salt. Oh, what? I mean, you're going to go to Ruth Chris. Drew is paying and you're just going to take the salt? See, the salt has no real value in and of itself. Its value comes from what it's being poured on. You want the world to be a better place? Then you be the salt that God's called you to be. You tired of the crime in your community? Then be the salt that God called you to be. You tired of, 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 of young women uh, going out and, and, and getting pregnant before they're married? Then, then be the salt that you're called to be. You, if you're tired of people breaking in and stealing your stuff, be the salt that God called you to be. I told a story in the first service about how I got broken into about I don't know, maybe it was about three weeks ago. And it wasn't where I lived at. It was a house that I'm working on to flip and came back in town. They broke in. Man, they stole my copper out of the walls. They went and they stole a bunch of my tools. I'm telling you, I was ticked off. I mean, I was highly ticked off. So I thought, man, I'm going to reach out to Drew and, and Mike. I'm going to get some sympathy. And then, man, that's no telling what we'll do. Sent Drew a message. Good old Pastor Drew. Like, Drew, they stole the copper, man. They got the tools. And Drew sends me back a message. Well, Daryl, let's pray that, that God seasons them with grace and that the people who stole that copper are blessed. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. What? I showed that to Bernie. He's like, Bernie, can you believe this, dude? He's talking about blessings. Now, to be truthful, I went back and looked at it today, and I didn't even see this part. First, he said, Daryl, I pray that you're prospered and that I'm glad that you guys are okay. And he, he said some of the right things, but all I saw was, I just prayed that they would be blessed. Every I'm like, man, I don't want to bless them. 
Now, to be truthful, I don't picture Drew as the guy. He's from Alabama. But I don't picture him as a guy with a pickup truck, you know, with the gun racking back and the, the Confederate flag. We won't talk about it. But I didn't picture him as really being that guy. But I thought, surely, man, he's going to get upset with me and we're going to be like, what? He didn't do that. Drew essentially was saying, hey, Darrell, you know what? Maybe just needs to be more salt sprinkled around our community. I didn't really want to hear that. In fact, I lost my this so bad. I got to tell you, man, it was about two. And my wife says maybe three or four nights. And I just woke up at about two in the morning, reached over. I, I keep a nice little nine millimeter right next to the bed. I Sorry, but it's just the old cop in me. And I, I remember, man, waking up at two in the morning and trying to tiptoe out of the bedroom with the nice creaking floors. Wife, where are you going, Daryl? Oh, don't worry about it. I'll be okay. I'll be right back. Get in my car, still with my pajamas on. I'm, I'm going over there sitting in front of Marlo. Man, I hope they come back tonight. I wasn't thinking about being the light of the world. Man, I hope they come back tonight. Is it, is it okay to keep it real and confess it? I start telling Bernice after a while, Bernice, you know what? Man, they, they better not come back. Second night, where are you going? Oh, I got it. It's, it's no big deal. No, I know where you're going. That's what she said. I'm thinking about being salt or light. Uh, and as a matter of fact, you know, I, I instantly just knew who broke in. Bernie Stegger, your cousins again. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's, that's my bias coming out. Man, they're your cousins. I know, I know it was one of them. But God called us to be salt and light. Don't lose your saltiness like I did. Jesus goes on in verse 14 said, here's another way. He's, he's talking to his committed. Those who are supposed to be all in, who really get it. He says, here's another way to put it. Here's why you're here. You're here to be light, bearing out the God colors in the world. The God colors that already exist in the world. You want to see the world better? Shine some light. See, 15 says, God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. And I believe that there's ever time for this church to go public with the message that we have. It's right now. If I make you light bearers, it goes on to say, you don't think I'm going to hide you in a bucket and, or put you under a bucket. He says, no, I'm going to put you on a light stand. I remember uh, way back when, when I was a new cop, it was time to get my, my gear and I had all my, they provided me with the gun and all the shiny stuff, the badge. And back then we didn't have tasers, it was mace. And then they told us we had to go get our own lights. What, what do they say that for? I went out and uh, down at the... Uh, Supply shop and some other cop buddies were down there. And they were buying these flashlights for $110. I was like, no, baby, no, not me. I go to Walmart and they have these lights. You just put two D batteries in there and it's going to do just fine. So I went out and got my night. And it was actually red. So I thought this is really official. I remember being a new cop and out on the beat. And all of a sudden I got I got in one of those foot pursuits. And, and, and I was excited about it. Uh, car 23, I'm in foot pursuit. He's heading south on Ebersol. Now he's turning through the backyards, cutting through. I'm gaining on him. All of a sudden, my cheap light decided it wanted to flicker. You know how you try to shake it while you're still moving a little bit. Then I started hitting it on my thigh. You're trying to keep up with him. Next thing you know, he's dipping around this house and he's going. And I was young and fast, but not that fast. I, and I couldn't see him after a while. And it wasn't too long before you, I, I was running hard and fast. And all of a sudden, I, just, I didn't feel anything underneath me on the ground. And See, there was a six-foot drop. You guys are probably too young to know Wiley Coyote, the road runner. But man, I, I was, I was, I'm, I'm, I felt like I must have went out about 10 feet away from the edge because I was running hard and fast. 
But the problem was my light wasn't any good. It had flickered out. I couldn't see where I was going and couldn't see where he was going. I just knew I was running hard and fast. The embarrassing thing was, man, here I am down on the ground now, bloody mouth, ankle twisted up. And then, of course, they're sending the fire company out to, and all my buddies, the other buddies come around. Oh, what happened? Uh, Double D, they call me Double D then for Daryl Davis. What happened, Double? God, don't worry about it. It's all good. Trying to get up and play it off. The reality is, man, I, I had a cheap light. Don't. Don't go through life being a cheap light. Here's why you're here. Not only to be salt, but to be light in a dark world. To shine light so people can see hope where there currently is no hope. To shine a light not just to point out the things people shouldn't do, but to show them the way to go. See, someone out there in our community is running hard and fast, trying to seize the opportunity that is taking place right now up on Hamilton Avenue. Somebody's running hard and fast saying, man, I, I know this is, this is an opportunity. I want to get on it right now. And they're missing out on the real purpose for what God wants in their lives. And it's up to you and me to become the salt and the light that we need to be in the world today. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt and light. Bow your heads with me.